Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 109 of Let's Go Racing with David Stark. Diamond Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by a pioneer in motorsports, the first woman ever to win the Rookie of the Year in the Indianapolis 500. Former race car driver Lynn St. James is here with us. We will bring Lynn in just coming up in a few moments to get to know her and share her story and uh, about her current involvement in the motorsports community as well. We'll get plenty of insights with Lynn when she joins us coming up in just a few moments from right now. Plus, as always, we'll have our News and notes with the latest headlines in NASCAR and in the world of motorsports, as well as our Ask David segment, where you can uh, submit questions to us, and we'll answer them for both Lynn and David coming up at the end of today's show. Joining us always is David Starr. David and I are fresh off a trip to Talladega, where it did not disappoint. David, uh, we survived. We made it out of there. Even the Atlanta airport, at the very end of it, we we made it out uh, alive. And uh, what a trip. I, I was just so in, in awe. I've, I've never had an experience like Talladega. And, and a big win for Kyle Busch in, in double overtime dramatic fashion. Uh, that, that that team of his looks really, really strong to start the season. Yeah, no doubt about it. Talladega did not disappoint. Uh, man, the racing was phenomenal, like it always is at Daytona Talladega. And, uh, man, Tyler, for your, your rookie, for your uh, first trip, you uh, – it didn't disappoint, and uh, you know, not only was the racing good on the racetrack, but uh, you know the uh, you know the fans. It was amazing how crowded it was. Entertainment, just it was just a great trip, a great racing weekend, and uh, and like you said, Kyle Busch, you know, the pulls into victory lane, but uh, extraordinary, uh, just an incredible race uh, turned out. Yeah, uh, Dom, let's let's look at Kyle Busch to begin things here. His second win of the year, second win for RCR already, the seventh win of the season for Chevrolet as well. Uh, obviously, Kyle Busch is a contender. He looks as strong as anybody right now. But the overarching story, Chevrolet, whether it's RCR or Hendrick Motorsports, even Trackhouse, who hasn't won a race yet, has all. they've all looked very strong. That Chevy camp, they look to be a few steps ahead of Ford and Toyota right now. They sure do, like you said, seven of the nine wins to open the 2023 season. Ford and Toyota, Ford with the win in at Atlanta, Toyota with the win at Coda, but everywhere else, Chevrolet has been up front and strong. And Kyle Busch, like you said, this is as strong as Kyle Busch is, and he this is the earliest he's ever won in a season with that win in Fontana in the spring. And then Tyler winning at Talladega, it's been 15 years since that man had yeah. won on the Super Speedway, and and I, I already hear people saying Kyle Busch is the new Super Speedway ace. He was up front in the Daytona 500 when it counted, up front at Talladega when it counted as well. David, uh, before we bring in Lynn here, just want to ask you about Kyle Busch. Uh, you know, we, we've seen William Byron run really well. We've seen Kyle Larson run really well. Uh, but but Kyle Busch there, he's already won a championship before. We know that Randall Burdett is one of the best crew chiefs in the business. Is that eight team and Kyle Busch the team to beat for the championship? Because I think one thing you could say about him, maybe compared to the other guys like William Byron and and uh, and you know Chase Elliott and uh, you know Kyle Larson there, Hendrick with RCR, they're going to put everything into that eight team and do whatever it takes to make sure that eight team gets the priority compared to Hendrick that kind of has to share everything. 
Well, I mean, you just you look back the last season and you look at the, the how strong RCR was and look at what Tyler Reddick did and Austin Dillon. They they those you know the, I don't know how many they how many races they won combined, but man, they they uh, I think both of them made it into the chase. And the, I tell you, with this new next gen race car, RCR's organization they've been real strong with the car right right from the start, and uh, and they get stronger and stronger every week. It's just a testament to you know, the commitment from GM, uh, the, the engineering and technology they have over there. I think with all of the Chevrolet teams, especially with Hendrick and RCR, but, you know, I wasn't surprised, and we knew this, we talked about it, uh, you know, when 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 we learned that Kyle Busch was going to go over and drive for Richard, uh, man, we knew uh, Kyle was going to have a chip on his shoulder. I mean, you know what I mean? Being with Toyota for all those years, and you know, it's amazing how it all worked out. And I was, we were all surprised. And I know the racing world was surprised that Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing wasn't able to find a partner to to have, you know, I don't know. I just think the, the Kyle Busch, since he's been from the start with Toyota, man, he put those guys on the map. And it was kind of interesting how it all played out. And, uh, and you know, I almost felt bad for Kyle, you know, but, but man, when we heard the news that he was going to go over and drive for RCR, man, that that team was already had this new next gen car somewhat figured out because of the way they performed last year. And you plug in a championship caliper driver like Kyle Busch, he elevated the organization to even what it was. You know what I mean? Uh, he made everybody there, all the engineers. Uh, step up their game and look at Austin Dillon. He, I mean, it's amazing how much better he's ran, but the whole organization, what Kyle Busch has brought to RCR is amazing. And uh, not surprised uh, by uh, his dominance so far. And I think that's, we're going to see more Kyle Busch winning. But, you know, like you were talking earlier, it seems like the, the, the Chevrolet teams, uh, especially Hendricks and RCR, Trackhouse, uh, you know, they seem to have this next-gen car really figured out. And, you know, uh, something that kind of – William Byron's been really strong since Daytona. And yep. then you look at Kyle Busch, you know, Kyle Busch, he's he's right there with him, you know what I mean? So I think we would be fooling ourselves if we if we didn't think that Kyle Busch was the favorite to win the championship. You know, obviously the, there's a lot more racing to go. Right. But, man, we're not surprised by what we saw uh, Sunday afternoon. Oh yeah, uh, Dominic. Before we bring uh, Lynn into the show, tell us the uh, the background and uh, let the listeners get to know Lynn a little bit before we officially introduce her. Absolutely. So Lynn is, like you said, Tyler, at the top of the show, a pioneer in racing and somebody that has gotten to dabble a little bit in all forms of motorsports, especially open wheel. She's raced in six Indianapolis 500s, like you mentioned, the 1992 Rookie of the Year in the Indianapolis 500. Seven. Yeah. Seven, seven. Yes, my bad. Seven. And has, has done the 12 hours of Sebring, the 24 hours of Le Mans. And she told us a fascinating story. And I caught part of it. And I can't wait to hear her tell more about it down in the show. But I believe she might have had the opportunity to test a stock car at Talladega. So we'll figure out more of that as the show comes on. But we, I talked to Lynn back in March, met her at Phoenix, told her about the show. And she said she would love to come on and share what she's doing these days. And Lynn, thank you so much for being able to come on. Let's go racing with us this week. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> what a what an honor it is, Lynn. You man, we God, you you have such a big following. Uh, I we we read about you, we hear about you all the time over the years. It's just it's it's an honor to have you on our show with us. And man, I, 
the impact you've had on motorsports, all forms of motorsports, you, you, you've really, you, you, you've had a big impact on it and really, you know, inspired and a lot of drivers today, I, I say male and female, you've inspired and they do what they do because of Lynn St. James. So it's pretty cool to have you on here. Well, thank you, David. I mean, um, I just love the sport and it, you know, it, it's like I found me when I found racing and, and I just, I can't not love it. I can't not, you know, I want to stay relevant. I still love to, it's hard to be a spec. I had to learn to be a spectator again, you know, after <laughs> being a competitor. And so I do a lot of pacing um, when I'm, a, you know, watching uh, a race, but at the same time, I just love it. And I, I just can't, you know, I just can't stay away from it. So, you know, I, I've, um, I've just had, I feel blessed that I did find it and that it found me. And um, I'm just, just delighted that people still, you know, kind of give a hoot and want to hear what I might have to say about it. So Absolutely. Lynn, before we get into your, your backstory and everything too, you mentioned your involvement. You're, you're, you're still involved in motorsports to this day. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're on the motorsports appeals panel, right? Yes. As a matter of fact, I am. So I'm on the NASCAR appeals commission. I'm also on the IndyCar appeals commission. So um you know, I've, I've had the the opportunity, I guess you'd say, to be invited to do that. Um, you know, I have been around the sport, I guess, a long enough, you know, enough times, and, and I really do know a lot about it, and I feel nice that they've respected that, and, and I'm on the those commissions. Uh, I'm also on the ACUS board, which is, ACUS is not a well-known necessarily outside of the, the, you know, the leadership of the sport, but it's the Auto Automobile Competition Committee of the United States, which really is the uh, it's, it's the FIA representative to um, uh, all of racing in North America and the, wow. the six primary um, sanctioning bodies in North America and then are all represented on that board. And then they have independent positions on the board you're, where you're not directly connected to any of the sanctioning bodies. And so I've served on that now for the last couple of years. And so, you know, you hang around long enough, I guess you get old enough and, and you realize that people start to, you know, remember that you do, um, you do know a little bit about the sport. So it's been really nice to, to be able to kind of work into those areas. Lynn, I don't believe that happened on accident. So uh, <laughs> that's definitely earned and, and uh, you know, it just says a lot about your ability, your your accomplishments and, and the person you are, you know, and, and I, I we, we, it's man, it used, there's just so much, you know, so many questions. But you know, take us back from, to the start. You know, tell us about Lynn St. James as, as a young girl. How, how did Lynn St. James? How did how did you fall in love with auto racing? You know, was it was it a family member? Were you watching on television? I mean, did you go to races? We we can't wait to hear this story. <laughs> well, I mean, I I grew up in the muscle car era, so I grew up in the '60s. You know, when when all of all of society, young people were into cars, and uh, and my mom taught me how to drive, which was not a plan that I would ever take this into the direction that I took it. But um, and she actually taught me. I remember telling her telling me that the gas pedal would get you out of more trouble than the brakes. When she was teaching me to drive, it was like you know, get off the brake, get off the brake. Um, and, but the guys that I hung out with, I mean, I went to the drag races. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Ohio. And I, I remember trying to meet Shirley Muldowney. I remember actually taking my buddy's, um, GTO at a drag race, you know, Dragway 42 in, in Ohio. And, uh, where they, <laughs> like Wednesday night, you could go out, you know, and, and they put shoot polished numbers on the side of the car. 
And I won. I won the, you know, whatever class it was. And I came home with this big trophy and my mother was not happy about that. Uh, <laughs> but it just, it didn't make sense back then that I was going to actually be able to pursue this or do anything with it. And so it wasn't until fast forward, I moved to Florida and I went to the 24 hours of Daytona and the 12 hours of Sebring. And I saw road racing for the very first time. And, you know, I saw besides Mario Andretti and Pedro Rodriguez and Mark Donahue and all these superstars in these really super cars, sort of towards the back of the grid, you know, there were these Corvettes and there were Camaros and there were Porsches. And I, and I said, oh, real people drive race cars, you know, not just humans. <laughs> and so I became a member of the Sports Car Club of America and I showed up at the local races down in South Florida and, um, you know, and just found out. I worked on a corner one weekend and I'm like, that isn't a lot of fun. And I did timing and scoring one weekend and I'm like, that is, I can't just sit and do that. So um, I found out to, to get a competition license, you had to get, uh, a, to, to drive race cars, you had to get a competition license. And then to get a competition license, you had to go to driver's school, to, you know, and I, to racing school. So I went to the local SCCA, signed up for the race school. I had to get a car because I didn't have a race car and and they people rent their cars but then I found out from some people that if you rent these cars they're usually kind of not very good cars and a lot of times you don't pass the school because the cars won't run long enough for you to get enough time in the cars and it was at the time that they created a new class called showroom stock and so a, a Ford Pinto was an eligible car at that time and I went down to my local Ford dealer and I ordered a Ford Pinto in South Florida <laughs> Ford with, Pinto with no air conditioning because, I, you know, it would take more power off the engine and it would add extra weight. So I had to wait to get a Ford Pinto and put a roll bar in it and, and a five-point seatbelt and a five-pound fire extinguisher. And I showed up and went to driver's school and started racing. And so that's how, I mean, that's literally how it happened. I didn't have any real connection. I was 27 years old. So, I mean, I was already in the business world. I was already trying to do everything that society said we should be doing at that point in our lives. And, um, but I, as I said, racing found me and, 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 and I just became, I just finally figured out who I was. It was like, this is me. This is, this is me. And, and, and it's, it's on the records. It's everybody's that ever heard me speak has heard me talk about it. Cause my very first race after driver school I spun, lost control of the car, spun out, and I ended up in a lake in West Palm Beach, Florida, because there's water everywhere and those down there. And um, <laughs> and I, the car totally submerged, and that was my debut. And so I wasn't good in the beginning, but I was determined, and I said, I got to figure this out. So I've been doing it ever since. Amazing story, Ford Pinto. Yep. Wow, amazing. And man, you know, it's just, it's cool to hear how it started and, 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 you know, it's just cool that, that racing found you and you found racing. And, uh, it's just interesting because man, after that, it went crazy. <laughs> it went really, really good. I think, you know, well, and, uh, well, for set now for seven years, I did it on my own. You know, I had an auto parts business and I was part owner with a, with my first husband in a consumer electronics business. And so, we, you know, every little dollar that we could squeeze out, we would go racing as opposed okay. to going, you know, doing other vacation stuff. And I went to trade shows. And so I learned, I learned that, you know, it, it, it's also a business. And so I, I started to approach my, my business head about the sport. And I realized I didn't have enough money 
to do this on my own. I couldn't sell enough shock absorbers or electronics equipment. <laughs> so um, I started writing. I started. I started writing sponsorship proposals. I, I would get Automotive News, uh, uh, Advertising Age, and I would see what who was doing what, and I would write these letters, and I would sign them by another name. In other words, because I couldn't tell them about Lindsay James and then sign it, Lindsay James. So I would make up people's names that worked for this company that didn't exist. Um, and and so that, and then if they called and asked for that name, I would know, you know, who I pitched it to. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then I saw an article in Car and Driver magazine and it was titled, and it was entitled, the sidebar was entitled Ford and Feminism. And it talked about Ford Motor Company wanting to create equal employment opportunities for women in non-traditional areas. This was in 1978. Wow. Um, and so I started to write letters. I had a letter writing campaign to Ford Motor Company for three years. And I swear to God, I think they signed me because they said, this woman is driving us crazy. And, and <laughs> something with her, you know, we've got it. We've got to at least get her off of our you know, radar and it will help her. And then she'll probably go away. And that was how I got Ford Motor Company as a sponsor in 1981. Wow. wow. Amazing. What a story. But David, it, it's this, you know, it's this, you fill in the blanks, hard work, passion, determination, you know, not going to be denied. I mean, it was like nobody was going to stop me. I was going to figure this out. I mean, I've had the joy of being able to go back and meet people that gave me opportunities back then when I was a nobody. And when I was, I mean, I was inducted into the Sebring Hall of Fame and I was actually the Grand Marshal last year. And I can remember showing up at Sebring, helmet and gear in the, in the trunk, trying to get a ride, you know, and, and I got to talk to Charles Mendez who let me drive his 935 Porsche at the you know, 12 hours of Sebring. I mean, you know, things, you just, you have to work so hard and you have to be there. You have to, if you don't have a drive, you got to go to the track. You've got to be at the track. You've got to let people know what your intentions are, what your plans are, what your dreams are. And, and then you've got to get experience as best you can. I mean, the Whittingtons, I showed up at one of the, what they called the open test at Daytona. And I'm, you know, again, I'm just walking around, you know, like just a nudge, you know, try to get a, some laps. And it turns out, I got some laps at a 935 in December, I mean, in January at the open test, which helped me get in that at, at Sebring in a 935, because I at least say, yeah, I drove it. I've driven a 935. I mean, when I tried to get a sponsorship for Indy, I can remember sponsors saying to me, have you ever raced an Indy car? No. Have you ever raced? I mean, what tells me that you can win, you know, you can race in the Indy 500? So I'd have to start telling them that, you know, I had laps at Talladega and I had done Le Mans and I had done these high speed, which of course they don't know what that all means. And then Dick Simon, who was the owner that gave me the opportunity, he said, we can fix that. And he let me turn some laps in an Indy car at Indy so I could at least tell the sponsors I've driven an Indy car. I haven't raced there. So, you know, you have to, you got to fill the tank. You got to fill the tank with information and and you got to sometimes be creative not totally lie but you got to stretch it you know and you just got to make it happen i think they Man. call that creative marketing now <laughs> uh, wow. so, so lynn along those lines of putting the indie deal together how did it all finalize and turn out and what was it like when you finally hit the track there in indianapolis for the first time god i mean as I said, Dick gave me Dick gave me the chance to drive an Indy car for the first time um, in eighty in nineteen eighty eight, and 
And then I went and wrote letters and wrote letters. And this time I, I, I did sign my own name. Um, but I, you know, I, I was like, I was, I, I went to 150 companies over four years. And fortunately, I was still racing for Ford in, you know, sports cars. So, I mean, I wasn't sitting on the corner, you know, doing nothing while I was doing this. And I, the 151st company said yes. And that was JCPenney. So then I ran to Dick and said, okay, we got it. I got it. But this was in March of 1992. And Lynn, who was that? Sorry to interrupt you. Who was that? Dick Simon. Oh, Dick's Okay. Yep. Dick Simon was the team owner that that would give that gave me the opportunity to drive an IndyCar for the first time. And and he liked what he saw. I mean, he said to me at the end of that test, we can do this. He didn't say you can do this. He said, we can do this. And I was like, holy shit, you know, because I, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, maybe I shouldn't swear on this, but no, no, no. Like, say whatever. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so um, that's when I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to work and, and I'm going to get that. I'm going to help get that funding, you know? And so, um, so anyway, fast forward three years, four years later, three years, well, four years later, it took me at like six months with meetings with JCPenney that I finally got the yes. And it was in March and, and it wasn't a lot of money, but it, I told him how much we had. And he said, we can start the, we can start with that. Um, and so I had to go through rookie orientation and he said, this, the funding will get us through rookie. It'll get you through the first couple of weeks and then more sponsors will come on, which is exactly what happened. Um, so but, you know, I was fortunate, and David, this is, to me, is so important because you don't always have all of your ducks in a row. You know what I mean? You don't always have everything you really want to have in your toolbox, you know, so to speak, to get where you want to go. So, but because I had done laps at Talladega where I set all those speed records at a Thunderbird and, and it went over 200 miles an hour, and because I'd raced at Le Mans and I'd gone down the Mulsanne Strait at over 200 miles an hour, um, you know, I I'd had... The, the 24 hours a day tone of victories. I mean, I had good experience, just didn't have experience in an Indy car or any open wheel car. Um, but Dick Simon, interestingly enough, is a former driver, not only a team owner, but a former driver. And he's a good teacher. He's taken more rookies to Indy than any other team owner. And he had the ability to tell me what I needed to know when I needed to know it. And so and we at, at that time is when you had the whole month of May. So it just... And I love high-speed corners. I've always loved high-speed corners. I hate road courses, or not road courses, <laughs> street. I hate street courses. I like road courses because a lot of them have high-speed corners. Yeah, they're slow-speed corners on the, road, on the yeah, street. Yeah, you know, yeah. those damn street corners where, you know, you just got to pitch the thing around and, you know, it's never been my forte. I love, right. guess what? There's four high-speed corners at the Indianapolis Motor <laughs> Speed. <laughs> so it suited my driving style. I had a great teacher and a great coach. I had, you know, the the patience and I had some experience to draw upon. And so, it, you know, you don't always have everything you need, but if you if you pay attention to what you have, you can apply it, you know, and, and, and all those things, I mean, came, you know, came to. Lynn, Lynn you left one thing out. Uh, I'm going to fill it in for you. You had the ability, the want to, you know, that's, you know, and the desire. I was, it's interesting listening to you because. You know, I, I love listening to you because, man, the, the passion, the hard work, the work ethic, the determination, you know, <clears throat> I understand. I mean, I, I completely understand you were creating opportunities because you no, nothing was going to get in your way. And looking at your career, I mean, 
you just what you what you've done as a as a as a race car driver is incredible. But then you and then you look at you and you're a female. You know, you I take the female part out, but as just a race car driver, you've done a an unbelievable job. There's not a lot of people can run seven Indianapolis five hundreds and and all the other races you ran. You know, that's 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 so special. And then when you look at you and you're female, that really really <laughs> says everything, you know. But man, I just love hearing your passion, your hard work, and you know, once you that once auto racing found you and you found yourself, you know, nobody was gonna stand in your way. And and I think just being Lynn St. James today, you're so important to to the world of auto racing, whether it's NASCAR, where it's whether it's Indy, whether it's it's IMSA, whatever form of racing, you're, you're such an important part of it today because when people hear your stories, it it's the truth. It's the truth. You know, the determination, the passion, the want to. I mean, no, nothing's going to stand in your way in. You had a Ford Pinto. You figured it out. You created opportunities, and, and your hard work and going to the racetrack, not having anything to race, and figuring out how to drive some laps, created opportunities down the road because I said, well, because you had experience, you know, and and it, it's just amazing. I talk to a lot of racers today and meet, you know, females and males, and people ask me my opinion, you know, and and I just ask them two or three questions, and then I already got it figured out that you know, that they're not a Lynn St. James, you know what I mean? And 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 they hadn't done what needs to happen. And, and I always say in my mind is like, how bad did they, they don't want it bad enough because there's exactly. nothing going to stop, you know, and, and, and you figured this out early on and just listening to you in, in your time, write letters to sponsorship, understand the business side of it, get sponsors. I mean, you just, you bring so much to the total industry today because you can educate, you can inspire, you can do so much to young men and women that that are lucky enough to have access to you. And I love your story. It's amazing. And it's it's just a big honor. It's pretty cool. I, I remember watching TV and seeing you qualify for the Indianapolis 500 and them interviewing you. And I'm like, it's a freaking, it's a woman, you know? It's like, wow. You know, and, and uh, un unbelievable. And share, can you share with us, uh, you know, after, you, you know, when you qualified for your first Indianapolis 500, the emotions and, 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 you know, when you, when you, when you qualified, everybody's loving on your chair and you're probably crying. I mean, just, you know, people don't understand at that moment what that means and all the hard work and letters and, I mean, it's just amazing, uh, amazing. Do you remember coming, oh, yeah. pulling oh. down, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, well, thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for those kind words, because I, I've never, I've never really grasped, I guess, that. Um, I'm always looking ahead, you know, and, and it's yeah. hard sometimes to reflect, and, and, and so just thank you. I, I just, some, I mean, I had no idea that that many people were paying attention or whatever that the meaning was, but. But, you know, really, when I first qualified, um, meaning, you know, the first weekend of qualifying, and we had this 91 Lola with the old Cosworth engine, and we went 219, and 
and we were in the field. But Dick said to me on Sunday night, you know, that's when there were two weekends of qualifying. And he goes, good job, kid. Good, good job, kiddo. I was a kiddo. Good job. Kiddo. <laughs> um, but he said, I'm a little worried that that's not going to hold, you know, because that's when they had 40 plus cars, you know, trying to qualify. Mm -hmm. And and it was because I was still under contract to Ford and it was a Ford Cosworth engine. We were all clean and good. And he said, I got a backup car for another, because he had like five cars that he was, you know, putting in the field. He said, I got a backup car from, from another one of my teams, but he said, but it's got a Chevy in it. And, um, and I'm not going to let you, first of all, I can't let you in the car until that car qualifies. Um, and I'm not going to let you ruin your professional business life because mm. it's got a Chevy in it and you're under contract to Ford. And I know you've been under contract to Ford for a long time. And I looked at him and I said, Dick, this is the Indianapolis 500. <laughs> this will not oh. hold me back, right? So yeah. he said, well, all well and good, but until you get approval from Ford Motor Company, I'm, I can't put you in that car. So I spent that whole second week, that whole next week, trying to get a hold of the executives at Ford Motor Company to get approval. Well, I tried to actually get the Ford. I tried a lot of different things within the Ford circle, but I had to get that approval. And on Thursday of that week, maybe this is too much information, but on Thursday that week, I got a hold of the then vice president of public affairs, who I knew was an ally of mine. And that's a really another important thing is to find allies. You have right. to know who your allies are, because right. there's going to be people in the room when you're not there who are going to speak up on your behalf. And if right. you don't have those people, you're, you know, you're no matter how good you are, you might just be gone. Right. So anyway, I called him on that Thursday before that qualifying weekend. And it was the board, it was the day of the stockholders meeting. And I remember his secretary saying, Lynn, he's really very busy. I said, I have to talk to him. <laughs> so <laughs> he called me back at like four o'clock that afternoon. And I told him the story. He said, give me a, like a fax number. Cause this was before we had, you know, emails. And right. And he said, I'll get back with you. And at the end of that day, I got, I still have it. I got a fax from him saying, understand you're having some problems at Indy. Um, and I understand that you maybe can't do it in a Ford. If you have to do it in a Chevy, just do it. Wow. I'm like I'm running to Dick, Dick, Dick. <laughs> I can do it for Ford. And so that was one of the biggest moments for me as a business, you know, as a profession, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I was like, I mean, I get goosebumps today. So then he goes, okay, but I got to qualify the other guy, you know, and I literally had to get in another car. They had to wait until Saturday. They had to turn that car around so that it fit me. You know, they had to, cause they really yeah. fit the car and everything to the driver. And, and I went out and then I qualified in a Chevy. So I had to qualify the second time, the second weekend. And we did go a little faster and it kept us in the field. And I remember, you know, the big um, tradition is that after you qualify, they put the car in a photo spot and then you have to put all these hats on, you know, and they, that's, that's the official qualifying photo. And they gave me the Chevy hat, you know, with a bow tie on it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I can't do that because Chevy can't do anything. So I just sort of held it up there, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't put it on. Yeah, I didn't put it on. So anyway, that's the car that I raced. And, and all I can say is that I feel that whole month of May was like living in a dream. It was like this dream come true and every day was Christmas. You know, every day <laughs> I was at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as a driver, you know, not as a fan, not as a spectator, as a driver. And every day was Christmas and my feet, I don't think ever touched the ground. You know, it was just, <laughs> like, 
So Lynn, it's, and Lynn, it sounds like, uh, I, uh, man, it's just so much to talk about. It's really what an exceptional man and how much, um, you know, how much he respected and your relationship with Dick Simon just sound like just, they don't, the salt to the earth. He really had your back and wanted to be, be part of, 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 of Lynn St. Jane, uh, gave you the first opportunity, but man, it sounds like that he was very, just a, a great friend, a great partner and, and great really, uh, yeah, yeah, great yeah, well, And five of my seven Indy 500s, I ran with him. Um, wow. We're still friends today. Uh, he's told me, I think he's going to turn 89 this year in September. Um, but you're absolutely right. And that, you know, when you were talking about Kyle Busch, okay. You know, there's a magic that occurs and David, you, you've got to know this. There's yes. a magic that occurs in a team when you have a driver and other key players. So it could be an owner, it can be, you know, crew chief, it could be team manager, but the more actually on that side. But when you have that total cohesion, cohesion, commitment, um, trust, communication, mm -hmm. you know, Jeff Gordon had it with, with Everham. Um, Chad and, and Jimmy had it, but it's never, I mean, they talk about it, but it's never really explored enough, in my opinion, because that is where the magic occurs when, when dominance or whatever, that's where the magic happens, where you, you end up in victory circle, or you at least you end up in a success story, <laughs> as opposed to a struggle, because it's always a freaking struggle. But right. if you can get over, if you can have that cohesiveness and that, that then the struggles become behind you you know what i mean you get through the struggles because you just it's 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 where the magic occurs in racing and it's not explored enough it's not talked about enough part of it is because you know it's hard to talk about you know yes. I, I get it i mean you know guys don't necessarily want to talk about that and and but i know i i've interviewed when i was doing tv i mean one of the things i did i did um, I worked for ESPN and Showtime as a pit reporter for IndyCar because I wanted to learn more about how the cars were done and how the cars were built and how the cars were set up. And I knew wow. that I could legitimately ask to be, I could interview the engineers and the crew chiefs because I was doing TV. Um, <laughs> and that's how I learned a lot, you know, and then there were some, and I can't remember the guy's name right now that Mario had that when he was at, at Newman Haas, I mean, there was a magic there between one of his engineers and, and and that was even but when the teams were just more of an engineer, it wasn't all it wasn't all technology. You know what I mean? It wasn't all computer stuff. It was right, right. talking to each other. <laughs> now, there was there was a communication. How, what do you feel? And tell me, tell me how the car feels getting in the corner. What's it doing in the center? How about the exit of the corner? You you were giving driver feedback, and they were adjusting the car at, to what Lynn St. Jane, the feedback Lynn was giving them, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't, Lynn, I don't know about IndyCar racing like you, like you do, but I'm not so sure if, you know, I, I don't, it seems like to me, all forms of racing works that way, but the technology, the engineering and the technology today, I, I asked the question, you know, I think the computers see everything and I don't even know if the driver, especially in IndyCar racing, does a driver give, Feedback oh, yeah. from loose in the inner, it won't turn in the center, you know. Yeah, well, and what at least we were, I was kind of just at the beginning of that, was where it was starting to come in. And and what where, where the I don't want to call it magic, but where the, the real cohesiveness starts is right. if what the driver's saying, if what the driver's feeling is consistent with what the computer's saying, 
then they 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 know how to make the right decisions and the right choices. Right. If the driver's feeling this, but the computer's feeling something else, that's the tough one. That's the tough one. And and this is again where Dick Simon, because he came before the computer world, because I kind of lived with this through the 90s, later in the 90s and 2000, um, is that who do you believe? <laughs> and Dick always believed the driver. The driver, because that's the driver's feeling. Then, you know, yeah, he came as a driver, you know, and so it where other teams will make the decision and a lot of drivers will give up and just say, okay, whatever, you know, if you have to, if you make that change, because that's what the computer tells you, but you got to believe the driver. Absolutely. So, so I just got a million questions. Dominic, jump in here. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I, I just can't so believe she's on it. Yeah, let, let me jump in here. I, I got something here, uh, Lynn. Uh, you know, you mentioned cohesion and you know, trying to get things on the same page and everything. For for you, of uh, of who you worked with, we mentioned the IndyCar stuff, but, I mean, you, you worked with Jack Roush, uh, you know, with the you know the, the Sebring deal and everything and, and won and had some very good finishes there. And we mentioned you're running top 15 in Indy and all that. When did you know that you could hang – with the boys that that you belonged among all of them. Well, Tyler, that's a good question. So <laughs> I've been very candid now because my career is behind me, um, but it's in my book. Um, where I learned how this all really, how important this all really was, was it because I didn't have that at Roush. I had the exact opposite. And so other than my, my unit, my team within the Jack Roush organization, we, we had that, but we were bucking the odds the whole way. And so it, it, was, it, was, it was the most difficult sort of experience because I had the blessing of being a factory driver for Ford, of having sponsorship, of having good equipment and having really great. I mean, Jack is the best engine builder, I think, ever, because he just literally, he breathes that, you know, and lives it. I mean, he, he's like, it's in his DNA, all right? Um, and his passion for racing is in his DNA. But Jack and I never could get on the same page. And, and, and he was the boss. And he ran that organization, he, you know, not so much now, but he definitely was, you know, the, the, you know, the, the man at the top there. Right. And we never could get on the same page. And, um, and so I had to do what I did in spite of that. And I had to find other ways to kind of work with my own team within the team. And, um, and, and then when I went to the Dick Simon, when I did that first test with Dick Simon, I mean, this is maybe a stupid small example, but when I did that first test, it, it was at Memphis Racetrack, the, the drag strip there where I did the, the first IndyCar yep. test. At the end of the day, after Dick saying, we can do this, he said, hey, we're all going to dinner, so join us. So the team together went to dinner at, you know, someplace in Memphis. And, and family. I was joint. It was family. I was with Jack Roush from 1981, off and on, mostly on, until 1990. In that roughly nine years. We never had a team dinner. I would take my crew and go to dinner. Right. But we there was it was he would butt us against each other. And and so so I learned the difference and I knew the difference, but I never I, I finally experienced the difference. And um I mean I'm 
I had some great success at Roush. I mean, you know, there were, but there were battles that were unbelievable to me. And it took me to places that I didn't know I could go to in, you know, in anger and in strategy. And, you know, so I learned, I mean, everything is a learning experience, but um, so I don't know that's if that answers the question, Tyler, but you know, it, uh, that's just- Man, that's, that is- it's amazing because you figured it out, Lynn, you figured it out and you didn't let somebody, I mean, you just listening to you is inspiring because, okay, we're not a family here, but my unit's a family. I'm going to take them to dinner. We're going to go to dinner together. And you, you created that family atmosphere in an organization that wasn't there. Now, was it not there because you were a female race car driver? I don't know. You know what I mean? But but the cool thing about it is, and what's inspiring, and I think people that read your book and hear you speak, there, there's something to be learned about that. You know what I mean? Just because this the organization is not your loving, hugging, family type deal doesn't mean you can't make it work. You did, you, you created what needed that what really needed to be it, the organization the what do you call that the uh, culture of the organization was not the right culture but you created that your own magic and your own family within your small unit and i think that's one led as you wanted it to be seen as you but, saw it and i think where the it, the, the lesson is there or the important piece of this is that and i tell young drivers this i said every time you enter you are being interviewed for a ride you know like you might have an opportunity to actually be interviewed by a team for a ride just know you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you because if that culture doesn't fit what you need to get your best <laughs> you're better off to pat the hardest thing that any racer will do is to say no to a deal mm -hmm. because they want to race and but there are times when it is better to pass and and if that culture doesn't fit what you need to bring the best out in you and it's really hard to figure that out i'm not making that this you could just figure this out in one interview or one meeting but to put your brain into that you know your mindset into listening and you know learning and observing and, and not everybody needs i i mean i needed that i needed that that and i don't need yeah. i don't need to be hugged and held and all that i just i needed people to believe in me and and, well, and Lynn, that that mentality. Me to succeed. That I, you know, I, I would tell Jack. I said, Jack, if I win your freaking race, it's going to be because of your engine, not because of the driver. If Scott Crew <laughs> wins the race, it's because he's a great driver. You know, I mean, I tried to point out some different things. I was yeah. like, <laughs> well, and, and what you mentioned, Lynn, about you know the the interview side of finding the right fit, and you you mentioned the interview thing of of asking, you know. Not only are you interviewing for that position, but they're interviewing you. That's just a good life lesson for anyone yeah. out there that's listening. May not be involved in motorsports at all. Just might be a fan. You're everyday in life. Like that, that's something I take on in, in the broadcasting role. I'm looking at jobs and stuff like that. I mean, that, that's just a good life lesson. Yeah. No, for any career, any job. Yeah. You're right. right. Well, and speaking of that too, Lynn, and, and this is how I think this came to the forefront too, a few months back, meeting you at Phoenix and hearing what you're doing with, with the women in motorsports in North America, share with us. And, and if you're watching along on the YouTube version, you see the, the women in motorsports background that Lynn has there on screen, share with us what you're doing with that and the, the mentoring of the young drivers. I think what you're doing there is really fascinating and, and being able to help women further their careers in motorsports. Well, thanks. Um, I mean, you know, I was, I'm actually delighted to be doing this again. I mean, I was doing it just for drivers for, almost 20 years. Um, 
and had over 230 young female drivers from seven countries and wow. 30 states come to our my <laughs> program until people didn't want to show up personally. They wanted to do it virtually. And I said, we can't do this virtually. So anyway, um, but within the last year, just a little over a year ago, um, I really got to know Beth Peretta, who owns a race, an IndyCar race team, and is trying to continue to launch that as a, as a female forward team. And we started talking, and and that talking started to expand. We got 40 other people that that are all in the business of motorsports. And to be honest, timing is everything in, in life, and you don't always know when that timing is. And the timing now with, with all of this DEI stuff, um, you know, diversity and, and equality and inclusion over the last few years has just become a way of doing business now. It's not just a sidebar. It's it's really a way of doing business. And so we felt that the time was right to kind of have a voice and to maybe start to see of what was possible and what was needed. And long story short, we ended up creating Women in Motorsports North America, which is to highlight and celebrate and educate and share best practices for all careers, all careers in motorsports, because that's how this industry is going to grow. I mean, if we continue to only talk to each other, if meeting race fans and guys, you know, because that's kind of what has been the hardcore basis of, of our sport, we're not going to grow. I mean, yeah. And so and we have so many women now that are successful. So it's not like we're trying to create something that doesn't exist. It's just, we wanna grow it. And we wanna help the women that are in it to be more successful and then to help other women that maybe wouldn't even consider it to realize that maybe they could work on a crew or maybe they could, you know, they could eventually become the president of a racetrack. I mean, maybe they could start a race team, you know? So we wanna just sort of broaden this, the scope of what our sport really is about, because I've always said it's a gender neutral sport. It's it a little more guy, more guys showed up, so more guys, <laughs> you know, so we got to get more women to show up. <laughs> so, Lynn, uh, uh, you know, sitting here, it's just amazing. I, we don't want you to stop talking, uh, but I mean, it's unbelievable. But why hasn't, uh, and maybe there is, why is there not a movie about Lynn St. James? What's what's you done? What you done? And and I I don't know if you. It's a worldly thing. It's it's definitely uh definitely in the United States. But I think you're such a pioneer for auto racing, all types. In the first, uh, is there a movie coming soon? It, has there been a movie? And I've I've not seen it, but. I mean, your story is so inspirational, so powerful. Is there a movie? Is anybody, I mean, can you share with some, some of that stuff? No, I mean, I, you know, over the years, I've gotten contacted from so many different, you know, Hollywood types. And of right. course, never went anywhere. I mean, it's like putting a race team together. You got to have the budget and then yeah. you, yeah. you got to have, you got to have the, the distribution, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, if you don't have that, you know, the, the story. So no, I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm pleased that actually a dear friend of mine, Cindy Sisson has been doing some documentaries for Fox called Left Behind. And, and it's about women long before myself or even Shirley Muldowney. And, and she did one on Betty Skelton, who a lot of people hadn't heard of, but it was a, an amazing female. And she just did one on Paula Murphy, who's still alive, actually. Um, so she's looking back at the, at the you know, the ones that were long before I ever even knew that the sport existed. 
um, and has just won a, a Gracie Award, actually, which is one of the highest awards you could get in, in broadcast in uh, documentaries and film for women. And um, but you know, I I mean, I I'm a, such a believer in. I mean, I really am a believer in the universe and in, in, in this timing thing. Right. And, um, and so whether I but whether it's after I'm dead and gone that somebody decides <laughs> to do a film or or whether it's while I'm alive. I, I mean, but no, the answer is no, there's never been anything. And to be honest, I've never had what I call a really serious, um, appropriate or proper, you know, well. Um, it wasn't until recently that a friend of the show, Willie T. Ribs, had his. Uh, yeah, I was on it. I was in it. And I know uh, Adam, uh, oh, Brian, not Brian Adams. I know the kid that that, that did that. And I was in I, Paul Newman. They did, they also did the Paul Newman documentary. And I was interviewed. Yeah, both for that, those and I, was, yeah, I was interviewed for both of those. So they, they, they know my story. Um, but, you know, I, I just. To me, Tyler, as, as powerful as, you know, Willie T. Ribs, great friend, great race car driver. I mean, great story. You know, great story. Uh, you know, but I, I, you know, Lynn St. James stories is right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, I mean, I think, I mean, it's right there. I, I just, I'm shocked that, that Lynn, that there's not a movie about you. It's, it's shocking to me, you know, and, uh, and, and, I, and I, and, you know, just hearing you speak about it, I, I hope. You know that it happens soon, and you're there to to enjoy it and 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 uh, educate the people making the movie, and not not when you know 100 years from now when you're gone. You know what I mean? I, it'd be kind of cool for you to you know go to your own movie premiere and just I don't know. Right. Put you one more thing, Lynn, before we uh, move on, get to some some headlines around the sport here in, in just one <laughs> moment. Uh, I want to ask you this: We mentioned uh, you're working with the Motorsports Appeal Panel. Uh, in NASCAR and IndyCar, just just one quick note on that before we move on. What's that been like? And and here in these cases, I, I think you were involved in the recent decision involving Denny Hamlin and some of these others. Like I, I don't know how much detail you can give us about case by case situations, but what's that like to to hear these that have huge impacts, huge implications on the drivers, the points championship? I mean, all that. What, what's that like being a part of those things? Well, it, it's actually a huge responsibility. I mean, and I don't take it lightly. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I'm not really in, in a position to talk about that, you know, any particular one. Sure. I can only tell you that I do take it seriously. I ask, I know I can tell by the reaction in the room from both sides. I ask good questions because <laughs> I put a lot of them on the spot. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I take good notes. And so, because it, it's, you know, there are two sides to every story. And, um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's a serious hour, hours and hours of usually in the meetings, um, because, because people are very committed on both sides. And so, um, and of course, now that the points have all changed, you know, the whole systems have changed. And so you have to really, really look at the impact of that. Um, and I, I, you know, I just, I said, I, I take it very seriously and, and I, um, I've been surprised sometimes, um, at the level of preparation and, and in many cases impressed. Um, and then sometimes not, I mean, sometimes I'm like, you know, what the hell, you know, it's, it's, uh, so, but you know, I, I, I anyway, I've had some really 
sensitive ones. I mean, and I felt, you know, the Denny one was obviously very recent and very, very high profile. Um, and I, a year, a number of years ago, I was on the one that, that was also pretty high profile with Kurt Busch. Um, so, you know, you, you it, it's just, it's people's lives, yeah. you know, people's careers. And, and I, even though it's I could more than just the points championship. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so even though I am a driver and I, you know, I, I could say, well, I have a soft spot in my heart for the drivers, you know, but, but I don't, I mean, I, I, I probably do. I probably have, they have a little bit of an edge. Um, but at the same time, um, it, I, I also, it's very important um, because the results of those impact the sport too. Not only does it inspect the individuals, it impacts the drivers or the teams individually, um, but it also sends a message about the sport. And I think that that is also a critical delivery of, of our results, you know, is um, because NASCAR is, it's a huge, it's the, you know, it's one of the top levels of our sport. And so, um, so it's just really important. It, it is hard sometimes because some of the history pieces, because they use almost on both sides, they, they bring up the past, you know, and, uh, and some of those are consistent and some of those aren't. So sometimes they're helpful and sometimes they're not helpful at all. In fact, it creates, you know, some opening for, for conflict, but it's not easy. I can just tell you it's not easy. Um, but there are three of us. There are three appeals panel members that are that are um, are part of that commission. So um, it's not just a, you know, it, it's not that's not easy either. Is then coming to an agreement with the three. Yeah. So what you're saying is, uh, David, don't get in any trouble because uh, Lynn is not going <laughs> to well, be any give you any favoritism. No favor. Well, you know, you know, and I and I and hey, man, we respect that. I mean. I think the sport, the industry has, I mean, you can't think of a better person than Lynn St. James, you know, and she gets it from every, she understands it from more angles than probably the others on the panel, you know what I mean? And that's important because the integrity of the industry, the integrity of the sport, the integrity of the all aspects of it. Lynn, Lynn understands that. And that's important to the sport, you know, and to keep it fair Fair to the fans, fair to the fair to the sport, fair to the drivers. You know, you you know, it's an ethical thing. You know what I mean? And sometimes, you know, it's not going to always play out how most look at it. You know what I mean? Because you got to look at it from all different angles. And I think I can't think of a better person than who they have, Lynn St. James, because she understands all of it. You know what I mean? Well, so I'm, I and I'm just one of, I'm only one of, I think they have about 15 different people that are on yeah. you know, in that panel. But you, so. you bring uh, you bring a lot of experience to that. Hey, Tyler, I, I want to ask Lynn one more thing. Uh, I know yeah, real we, quick. we're talking a lot. Uh, so, Lynn, all our heroes, Lynn St. James, you know, Al Unser, uh, Bobby Unser, my great friend and hero, A.J. Foyt, uh, Mario Andretti, uh, Danny and Gaius, you know, on and on, Danny, Danny Sullivan, on and on and on. Who really, you know, I, I don't know if this is an appropriate question, but who really stepped up and, 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 and really took, loved it that, that you were a pioneer and the first one to run all these Indianapolis? I mean, all these other greats and people we heard about who who stepped up and, and wanted to see you succeed uh with all these superstars over the years of IndyCar racing well I think first and foremost it was Dick Simon I mean that yes. that you know that was really 
he wanted me to succeed. And he, you know, I remember him saying, he said, God, Lynn, if we, you know, I only did 15 IndyCar races over nine seasons. And, and, and he's like, if we could just have one season together, if we could just have a whole camp, you know, one <laughs> whole season, they would really know how good you are. You know, I mean, he, yeah. he, he would, you know, get me going. But, um, but as far as, you know, I feel tidbits here and there, you know, I, I looked, I never had what I'm going to call a mentor or, right. you know, somebody that took me under their wing other than Dick. Um, but I've had, whether it's a, a crew member, I mean, Emery Donaldson was my crew chief, um, at in 94 when I was outside second row qualified and Amazing. and well but Emery was with me in the Pinto okay so <laughs> along you know we, we worked together all of those years but I mean here was somebody that you know he really wanted me to succeed and I've had individuals like that off and on through my career um that that have you know been there for me I mean Leo Mel I mean I, I don't know if you remember Leo from Goodyear I mean, Leo yeah. was the head of Goodyear Racing, and Leo, he was a go-to guy for me. I mean, I whether I I wanted to just spout off because I was pissed off. In fact, he, he tells the story how I had Jack Roche by the collar, <laughs> and Jack's a little guy, and his feet were going like this because I was so pissed at him. But um, <laughs> so uh, you know, so I've had individuals along the way that were critical. I mean, you know, it helped that they were critical uh, at critical times, um, but I never really had. You know, I mean, I don't, I've just never had that. I've just had, I learned from watching. I mean, Rick Mears, um, uh, you know, Hurley Haywood, some of my competitors, right. um, I, I would watch and listen. I'd watch sometimes, why are they so good, you know, and try to figure out. And then I'd listen. And, and I, you know, Jim Busby, I remember, who was a, a competitor in, you know, in sports car racing. And I said, Jim, if you got a few minutes, and I said, would would you walk with me on pit lane and give me point out one reason why this is a good race car or not a good race car? Because I need to have a better understanding. And he started telling me about wheelbase and weight balance and this where the seat was. I mean, he started pointing out individual things that was it was like a freaking education. Just ten minutes walking down pit lane, Dan Gurney. Um, wow. Talk about a hero, right? Yeah. And, you know, I approached Dan once and I'm like, how can I get a chance to race for Dan Gurney, you know? <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes like this. It's all about the stopwatch. So <laughs> I said, That's I'll good. Be, I said, I'll be back. You know, and I always <laughs> knew that it was important. Obviously, your lap times are really critical, but it isn't always your race results. It isn't always how you finish, or even sometimes how you start, but how is your lap time compared to your your peers? In other words, because in, in sports car racing, there's so many different categories racing at the same time. And that's what I, I look for now. I don't look necessarily, when I'm working with these young gals or mentoring anybody, I want to know what's the spread between the pole, the fastest time they turn versus, you know, for qualifying, but also in the race. And so, so I, I've just, I'm like a sponge. I've just absorbed information and you can learn a lot from watching other people who win, other people who are successful. Find out why. And, and you know, that's that's how I, as opposed to having anybody that just was that sort of iconic helper. Right. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, would love to have you stick around here. we got a couple more things we want to do before we wrap up. Got some questions that people sent in that we'll get to the end of the show. But first, uh, our news and notes segment. Dominic is standing by with the uh, latest headlines uh, happening in NASCAR and motorsports. And, Dom, uh, we're going to start with a guy that I got the chance to interview and catch up with uh, this week. Uh, Frankie Muniz is, uh, leads this week's headlines. He sure does, and I think you said it best on your Facebook description when you did put the interview up. He's no longer in the middle. He's up front. He's leading the points after three races, after three campaigns in the NASCAR ARCA series. Frankie Muniz sits atop the ARCA point standings, and, and Tyler, I, I, if any of you guys went back and saw that interview, you can just see the passion he has for being a race car driver, and he said it best, I think, in Daytona, Tyler. He doesn't want to be known as an actor anymore. He wants to be known and have his legacy known as a race car driver, and my gosh, he is sure setting some 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 great yeah. lap times, and he's doing awesome on the racetrack this year. Yeah, he's a legit contender for the ARCA championship, no question about it. There's nothing fluky about his points lead. Lynn, let's start with you. What what a what a story of the actor Frankie Muniz, former child star, turned stock car driver. Uh, I, I think this is one of the best stories, not just in motorsports, but in all the sports, to to see what this guy's done in, in ARCA here. Well, I, I have to admit, I was impressed too. I mean, I because I, I'm following some of the gals in ARCA. You know, there's like four or five of them. And, and so I've been following them. So I've been paying more attention to ARCA than I have in previous years. And so, uh, and I've seen how Frankie's running. And, and I remember when he ran in sports cars and I know that he was even going back to running the Toyota Celebrity Race, which is kind of how I think he got started. So, and he kind of was not great i mean i think he got the bug and i think but i mean he wasn't like a standout um serious going to be a serious competitor and it was kind of sad and disappointing because of somebody that really tries to make that transition you know and become a serious racer rather than just a celebrity racer and um and that's hard you know i mean bruce jenner's done it and you know newman certainly did it and you know it, it isn't always an easy transition uh, because the eyes are on you and and then he kind of disappeared for a while. I don't think he was doing any racing at all. So to see him come back and 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 obviously, and this is another, I'm sorry, another tip, which every race car driver that's trying to make a career in racing, and they're like, should I go USAC racing? Should I go stock car racing? Should I do this? Should I do that? I said, try it all, but feel when you get the feeling that this is me, you know what I mean? That you get in a you know, David, you get in certain race cars at certain tracks. And all of a sudden you're like, this is sweet, you know, and that that's what you should be pursuing. And so maybe, you know, stock cars is what he should have been trying years ago when he was trying to be a sports car racer. So I wish him well. And I think it is a good story for, for motorsports. David, what do you make of uh, what Frankie's done here so far? Well, man, <laughs> I all respect for him and congratulations to him, you know, but I didn't know who he was. I mean, I was asking you, I didn't, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I don't watch much television. I didn't even know, you know, I didn't know who he was, but I, I, I love it when celebrity race car drivers race in any series and to make it to the ARCA series or NASCAR truck racing or Xfinity racing, uh, you know, and, um, you know, uh, I just think it's great. I mean, uh, you know, when you're all in, I don't care who you are. If you're if you're going to make it in any forms of auto racing, you got to be all in. You got to be passionate. You know, you you got to be determined. Hard work. I don't care where you come from, who you are. You know, just because you're a successful movie star, actor, whatever, that don't mean you're going to make it in, in 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 auto racing. You know what I mean? And for and to see 
somebody like Frankie be leading the points in ARCA. I mean, I, I think it's wonderful. I think it brings new eyes to the sport. Uh, and, and I think, I, I think it's wonderful. And, and in ARCA, you know, I, I pay attention to ARCA because there's some girls I'm watching. The, uh, there's Amber, there's a girl named Amber, uh, drives a 15 car. She had an engine break or something happened to her. I think she was running second. Uh, but I think the ARCA is a great stepping, uh, series up into the NASCAR Camp World Truck Series and uh, very competitive. And to see Frankie leading the points is is really cool. And and like Lynn was saying, uh, I'm, I'm glad for him. And I think it's bringing new eyeballs to auto racing in general, you know. So uh, hopefully he can continue that and maybe we'll see him on the NASCAR side. Yeah, and you have to think that with his name recognition, uh, there's going to be some pretty good sponsor opportunities the – more he competes and continues to move up. So uh, pretty exciting for a uh, Frankie community. Never, sorry, Tyler, but never assume that. It's hard to get sponsors. And you think just like people, yeah. they oh, being a woman, you're gonna, it's going to be easier. Being an actor, it's going to be easier. Being a celebrity, not always the case. Okay, just that's fair. That's fair. Good point. Uh, so far, the, the Hair Club for Men deal is, is what he's got as big sponsor uh, for now. But yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Good, good point there uh, on that front. Uh, Dominic, what else we got going on? Well, the last time we were on the show with you guys, we were starting to dissect the NASCAR Greatest 75 list. So NASCAR originally had the 50 Greatest Drivers in 98, and they have been adding and releasing on social media of their new drivers to the list. Since the last time we saw you on the show, drivers on this list include Greg Biffle, Carl Edwards, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Ron Hornaday Jr., Casey Kane, Randy LaJoy, Kyle Larson, Sterling Marlin, Ryan Newman, Mike Stefanik, on top of Tony Stewart being the first one announced a few weeks back. And Tyler, you and I were agreeing to disagree a couple of weeks ago, saying that NASCAR would not go retroactive and add people pre-1998. But they did with Marlon. They did with LaJoy. They did with Stefanik. And at the time of the show coming out, we still have about 13 drivers that need to be announced. What other surprises do you think we're in store for? It's a great question. Let's start with Lynn here. Lynn, uh, what, what do you think of the list so far and – who are some names potentially you think will, will <laughs> still be added onto the list? Uh, I, I believe there's some obvious ones like Jimmy Johnson uh, that, that still need to be added. But what, what comes to mind here? Well, I'm a little embarrassed to say I haven't been paying attention to what the exact <laughs> list was. So, um, I mean, I've seen some headlines, and so there have been some surprises. Um, but at the same time, I don't know who's missing. And so I think I'm not a really good one to, to answer that. So sorry. Dominic, I know you've been following this real closely here. Jimmy is obviously one there. What were some of the others that are kind of not missing? We're still waiting on it that will be there. I think Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski. I, I would like to think Cup Champions 99 on are going to be drivers that that make this list. And, and, and Jeff Burton was announced too on Sunday, even though he wasn't a Cup champion. He, he came close a couple of times. But I would think guys like that, drivers that have – Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch. I think guys like that are shoes. If, if we're going off what we've seen. Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch. Past champions. Is Mark Martin on the list? He is. Yes, he okay. was a part of the original 50. Yep. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, you should be. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. David, what, what do you think of these uh, names have been honored so far and the ones we're waiting on next? Well, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with them. You know, the champions of our sport, you know, the, uh, you know, if you're a champion in the NASCAR, you know, cup series or, or a multiple champion in the, in the truck series Xfinity and, and cup, I mean, I, I, I'm all for it. You know, I, uh, there's, there's, uh, 
you know, it'd be interesting to see who the last 13 are. But but uh, but I think the list so far, I mean, it's no really big surprises to me, you know. And um, But I'm surprised by there's some that aren't on the list that will probably be on the list before it's all said and done. I mean, just really Marlon Tyler is probably the nicest surprise to see of that list because he was a guy that raced from 1979 to 2009 and was racing up until a couple of years ago at the local level in Tennessee. Really nice to see a two-time Daytona 500 champion get honored. Well, and think about this, too. We mentioned with Randy LaJoy on there. Um, this is the NASCAR list. It's not the NASCAR Cup Series list. David, uh, I, I bet you could vouch for this. In in your days when you were in the Truck Series, that was, I, I would say, uh, the prime days of the Truck Series. That was the, the days the Truck Series was in its glory uh, and everything when, when you were there. And some of your competitors that won multiple championships – they ought to have a case probably to be on this list too. Well, I think one that comes to mind is Jack Sprague. You know, I think Sprague has probably drove for Rick Hendricks. Uh, I think he's got five or I don't know, five or six. I don't remember. Uh, you know, uh, if, if it's a NASCAR, you know, I think, you know, they did say Ron Hornaday and obviously raced for years with us in the truck series, but, uh, but, you know, there's some some that are deserving that, that aren't on that list. I think Jack Sprague would be one of them. You know, and, and there's, you know, James Helton. There's there's guys that race for a long time that won one cup race. But, you know, I think about Jimmy Means and other pioneers, independents, uh, their longevity. And even though they didn't win a race just to stay in a sport 30-something years and be cup driver, you know, I, you know it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's 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 interesting. There's a lot of great race car drivers never even won a NASCAR race before that I think are great that probably deserve to be on the list because they were independents and just to be able to, you know, to to compete week in and week out, year after year as year as an independent, uh, just because they didn't win a race. If you had to put them in a in a Richard Petty car, they probably would have won. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's interesting, you know, and and. You know, the formula that NASCAR uses to, to pick who those 75 drivers will be, you know, I, I'm sure that's a challenge for them as well. You know, it's not easy. Uh, but, man, I'm, I'm uh, you know, all the ones that y'all said and the ones at the top 50, uh, you know, is well-deserved for all of them, exactly, you know, to be, to, you know. And then, you know, you look at A.J. Foy, you look at some of the guys that are diversible, you know, that, that, that really – one uh, in all forms of racing, you know, Mario Andretti won the 1967 Daytona 500. A.J. Foyt won the 1972 Daytona 500 and other NASCAR races, you know. Uh, you know, so you, you really don't know the formula they use, but, uh, but you know, it's kind of cool to see all the different ones that are getting on the list. Yeah, for sure. Dominic, what else we got? So looking ahead to NASCAR this weekend in Dover, Hey, if it's sports, if it's any kind of racing, you know there's going to be some sort of odds on it. And looking at the NASCAR odds for this weekend, the 2021 Cup Series champion, Kyle Larson, leads the odds on favorite at 5-1. to one. William Byron, a two-time winner as well this year, at 5.5-1. to one. Chase Elliott rounding out that top three. Henrik Motorsports, Tyler, looking like the odds-on early favorites at Dover. All former winners, Denny Hamlin and Christopher Bell rounding out that top five. And Christopher Bell. It's six at nine to one. So you have six guys that are under 10 to one. And you got to think these guys have won races with the exception of Christopher Bell, but have all been up front at Dover. 
we'll see what happens this weekend. But what are you thinking as far as this weekend, Tyler? Who are going to be those strong suits that we see running up front? Well, if you've been watching this show for any time, you know that David loves to pick his uh, his buddy Kevin Harvick. And <laughs> I won't go to that extent of taking Kevin Harvick every week, but I think for now, guys, I'm going to be picking a Chevy driver about every week with just how well Chevy is compared to everybody else. Uh, you know, we mentioned Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, William Byron. Those guys have been the class of the field. I think that Kyle Larson uh, probably going to be the guy to beat again uh, this week. Uh, uh, Lynn, what, what say you? What do you think about uh, about this uh, race weekend here at Dover coming up? I really, you know, I, I mean, actually, I am a Kevin Harvick fan, and I uh, so I would hope that, you know, I it, it's not good when one, you know, manufacturer dominates or when one team dominates, and so you really need to you put. I think you need to mix it, you know, you need to mix it up to keep the fans interested, to keep you know, to keep everybody to keep everybody on their toes. So hopefully Kevin can do it for Ford. Uh, David, uh, what, what, what's going to happen uh, this Sunday here at Dover? Man, I, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, it's always a, uh, you know, it's going to be a very competitive race. Uh, you know, Dover's an awesome track. I'm supposed to race there, but the business stuff got in the way and I had to back out of racing there because I got to go to Las Vegas and, for one of my other sponsors, because I'm a guest speaker and got to take a race car. So, I mean, I'm disappointed that I won't be going to race there. But one thing cool about Dover, you know, you can race on the bottom, the center of the racetrack up against the wall. It's a very racy racetrack for drivers. You know, if your car is not working good on the bottom, you can move up to the center up by the wall and it changes it. But it's very fast. And uh, I do know it's going to be a great race, very competitive. And, uh, you know, there's that thing called momentum. You know, if you can ride that momentum, you coming off of a win. You look at Kyle Busch and what RCR has done, and and uh, you know, I think he'll ride that momentum. And uh, all the guys you mentioned, Kyle Larson, uh, you know, William Byron, Harvick. You know, be Harvick's probably I think his last time to run it over before he retires. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to hard to pick a winner, man. It's going to be a great race. I know that. So is it Kevin Harvick or is it somebody else, David? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm cheering for Harvick. You know, I want to see him uh, go on, go out on, you know, on top two or three. You know, and if you watch him since Daytona happened, man, he's had fast cars, a lot of speed in his Ford, and uh, you know, obviously you see the same circumstances. But uh, but anyway, I I just like to see him, uh, you know, go out on top. He's had a hell of a career, and uh, and uh, knowing that you know this could be his last time to race there, I like to see him win it. You know, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dom, what do you think is going to happen here? I mean, I, I have to agree with you. I think Team Chevrolet runs up front. We'll, we'll see some Toyota drivers and Ford drivers within the top 10, but we're talking laps led stage wins. It'll be a Chevy driver, a guy that led a bunch of laps last year, won, I believe, one of the stages and finished really well. I think Ross Chastain gets that first win of the year. Mm, okay. I like that pick. So there you have it. Uh, that's our news and notes segment for this week. Final segment before we uh, wrap up. It's our Ask David segment where you can submit questions to us as well as our guests each and every week on Facebook, facebook.com slash star podcast, Twitter at star podcast, and by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. First question in the inbox this week is for Lynn. It comes from Alex. Alex wants to know, Lynn, what was it like to test with Bill Elliott at Talladega? <laughs> It was a blast. Um, Bill and I won a couple of won the 24 hours of Daytona together and we ran at Watkins Glen together. So 
um, almost had a win there, but we, so we got to be buddies and had a good communication understanding. And so he and his team actually, you know, the Elliott brothers built that car. They were commissioned by Ford Motor Company to build that Thunderbird that we took to Talladega to set the speed records. And that was a purpose built only to, to set the speed records. Bill's so laid back, but yet doesn't miss a lick. Um, so, you know, you, you, you can get hot thinking because he's so laid back that he's not paying attention. He's paying attention to everything. And he was a, a really great setting the car up, um, being patient, because I, I thought it would be a pretty easy deal um, to go from, you know, running Ford Thunderbirds or in Ford, I'm sorry, Ford Mustangs and, you know, the big sort of sports cars that, you know, getting into that Thunderbird would be very much like that. And it wasn't like that at all. Um, I was not in touch with the car at all, which drove me crazy. I remember Bill stuck his head in at one point during one of my runs, you know, came back in the pits and he goes, so how's it going? And I said, I don't know who's driving it because it ain't me. I mean, I'm like, I feel like <laughs> nothing happens, you know, and I'd have to crank the wheel again and crank the wheel again. And and so it, it took me a while to really get a, a feel for the car. But Bill was patient and um, and it was he's he's just a really fun guy to work with. He never loses his cool. He just, hey, Lynn, how you doing? You know, and just really <laughs> keeps everything calm and everything. But he does not miss a lick. That's awesome. What, what, a, what a great story that is. Um, next question in the inbox uh, is from Diego for all of us, for the whole panel here. Uh, you have a true day off, no meetings, phone calls, et cetera. What's your ideal day off? What do you do? What do you see? What food do you eat? David, I'll start with you because this day doesn't exist, an off day for you. But if it were to exist in a hypothetical dream world, what would it look like for you? <laughs> Well, you guys know, man, I just don't have much. I mean, if I if I if I had to take a day off, I mean, racing and my racing school and everything else we're involved in, you know, y'all know I'm a yard freak. You know, I, it takes me a day just to do my front yard and take care of my flower beds. And, you know, once, you know, when I get done at that at night, then going and taking my lovely wife and going to eat some good Mexican food. You know what I mean? That's that's usually <laughs> A day off, you know, for me, as y'all know it. <laughs> what oh, yeah. about you guys? Oh man, for me, it's uh, it's you know, sleep until about you know eleven or twelve o'clock, and <laughs> start my day a little bit slower. You know, going out to eat, you know, and and uh, you know, just relax and watch a show or sporting event of some sorts, and just taking it chill, just slowing it back down, you know, because. You know, David, you you and I we're, we're going 100 miles an hour all the time. You know, always got something going on. So just those R and R days are the nice slowdown for me. What what about you, Lynn? What's uh, what's a perfect just off day look like? For you? Actually, you know, I'm going at a pretty fast pace nowadays as well, running yeah. you know with the organization and all the things we're doing. But um, I do nothing really well. So I either <laughs> I either am flat out, you know, running like you know, hundred miles an hour plus wide open, <laughs> wide open. Yeah. Yeah. Coming in hot or I, I, I'm really good at doing nothing and, but it takes me a while to get there. I mean, but if I can lay in the sun, I mean, I love, I just love the warmth of the sun. And if I can lay in the sun, you know, listen to great music, have a couple of margaritas, <laughs> just chill and i don't like to eat so you know food is just a necessity it's just you know it's a necessary part of life in my opinion so 
but you know, a couple of good margaritas and just chill. Ooh, yeah. Dom, uh, you can be honest here. Uh, is a perfect off day not involving the wife and kid? <laughs> no, actually, it would. It would involve them. I would say it'd probably involve maybe a hotel stay somewhere, get that condo breakfast, go to the pool, and then in the afternoon, I don't know, probably be by the swimming pool or be on the phone, not for meetings or phone calls or anything like that, but just to waste mind-numbingly time like on mobile apps like Brawl Stars or the Blackjack app like where you play just for fun against other people. So it probably involves something like that. And yeah, probably relaxing, lounging around on the couch. Like I think like Lynn said it best. I, I mean, I'm going 100 miles an hour too. I, I have four different roles and four different hats that I wear, but man, I love to do nothing. And I, I can be pretty good at that too. Oh, that's uh, that's great. Uh, guys, you can keep on submitting our questions to us each and every week. We'll answer them Facebook, Twitter, and uh, also by email, davidstarpodcast.gmail.com. Before we uh, get out of here, just want to ask you kind of what's going on with everybody this week. Uh, Lynn, it was such a pleasure having you with us. Uh, what's kind of your your next few days look like, and where can people follow and keep up with what, what you're doing? Well, I got two things I want to make sure I got in. I was like, are you guys going to give me another chance? Yeah, it is. Uh, one is to put November 7th and 8th on calendars. Um, it is our Women with Drive Summit, the third one that we've done. Um, we do one of these a year, and it's going to be here at Phoenix Raceway. And it is not just for women. It is still the Women with Drive Summit, but we want men and women to come together, share best practices, talk about what it takes to be successful in this sport. And so we would hope that you would go to womenwithdrivesummit.com and sign up. Um, we're going to have, it's going to be in the barn outside Phoenix Raceway. So we got lots of room and we want lots of people. So we had, we had it at Charlotte Motor Speedway last year. Uh, we had 330 people and we, we were hoping we're going to have a thousand people come. Um, so it's right after the NASCAR championship weekend. It's the Tuesday, Wednesday after that, November 7th and 8th. So well, maybe, maybe we'll just stay there guys and go to yeah. it because we're going to be there racing anyway. I mean, Yes, please. About, and it's Tuesday and Wednesday, Lynn. Tuesday and Wednesday. Yep, yep. Man, we we ought to, we ought to see if we can't all make it. We have some really powerful speakers already that I can't share yet. Yeah, no, no, no. You don't need to. Yeah, but that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Well, and, and David yeah. Tyler, I know we never try to put the carriage before the horse, but maybe we can do a podcast out there. I was just going to say, do your podcast on Tuesday evenings. So you could do your podcast out there. Man, that'd be perfect, man. That'd David's perfect. a pretty good public speaker, too, if you need somebody. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I, that's just, I've been making some notes when he was telling me he, already, he can't go racing because he's got to go give a speech. So, uh, well, you know, the, the business side, you know, my, uh, you know, the business, you know how the business side of it is. I hear you. <laughs> But the other thing I want to mention, um, on June 8th, and I this is kind of hard because it's a little bit of a self-promotion, but, you know, I'm being... Go ahead. Do it. I'm, well, I'm being inducted into the West Coast Stock Car Motorsport. Congratulations. And along with some of the people we've just been talking about. So along with um, Kurt Busch. Yeah. Along with Kevin Harvick. Awesome. Yeah. And with, um, and I don't know this gentleman, uh, Brent Keating. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's wonderful, Lynn. Congratulations. Well, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Be, that takes place out in Sonoma uh, for the NASCAR weekend in Sonoma in June. Wow. Yeah. That's so, nobody, that's, that's so well deserved. I think you should be in every, every Hall of Fame. 
you know? Well, yeah, I'm not in every Hall of Fame, but this one I was really caught off guard. I mean, I have raced on the West Coast, and I was like, are you sure? You know? so, yeah. No, I think it's wonderful. Man, the 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 band being being the first I mean, I, I you know, we there's not enough time in the day to to I mean the challenges and the and the man, everything you had to deal with, I couldn't imagine. It's already hard by itself for anybody and now let's be the first female. I, I mean the pushback and man, it's it just yeah, just to do what you did. Hey, I'm still standing here and there <laughs> So it's all right. That's why you're Lynn okay. St. James. You're awesome, you know. So it's it's amazing. So yeah. Yes. Awesome. Well, uh on, on that other note, what's what's kind of the next couple of days and where can people follow all, all that stuff? Pl plug away, Ellen. Oh, me? Yes, yes. Well, I already just gave my plug. That I mean, it's those two things. I mean, I've just got where can I've people go online to find more information? Yes. That's oh, what well, they go to womenwithdrivesummit.com okay. for summit, and they go to women in motorsports, NA for northamerica.com to find out all the great things that we're doing with women in motorsports and how you could maybe, you know, participate in, and help and be involved. So those, I mean, literally on a day-to-day -day basis, that's my work. So, um, awesome. yeah. Very good. David, uh, we had a great time in Talladega, but now you're you're off to Vegas, one party to another. Well, man, you know, it's not a <laughs> yeah, connect us, man. It's a big wire convent wire, you know, wireless uh, channel partners uh, convention going on out there, and I'm going out there with my sponsor, Connectus, and uh, taking a race car, and I'm a guest speaker one afternoon, and uh, yeah, I mean, they're such a great partner, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm disappointed that I'll be messing the Dover race, but hey, if we don't. We don't have sponsors. We can't race, so we got to take care of those, those good partners, you know. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun, and uh, and and uh, just getting ready for that. And uh, that's about it. Awesome, uh, Dom. How about you? It'll be a nice, chill weekend at home in Santa Fe with the family, with Felice and Christopher. Looking forward to just having those R and R days, right? But we'll be covering the sport remotely as we always do. And yeah, it'll be a it'll be a good time. How about you, Tyler? What's the weekend got on tap? Uh, I'm going to be very busy uh, back to my day job uh, with the NFL side covering the NFL draft beginning Thursday. And uh, so I'll have plenty of updates on that on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all that at Tyler Jones Live. So uh, if you're a football fan, uh, certainly check that out. It's going to be uh, pretty hectic the uh, next few days with the draft and all. But uh, David, I want to give one more shout out before we go to uh, a friend of David and I's uh, that we were hanging out with this weekend at Talladega. Larry Davis, uh, he sent me home with uh, straight off the Talladega Boulevard some uh, apple pie moonshine, and it successfully <laughs> made it in my check luggage. Whether that was legal or not, I'm not sure. Um, back home to me, and so as uh, as we sign off here, uh, cheers, <laughs> man. Larry Davis is a Davis Record Service out of Brookhaven, Mississippi. Been a great sponsor, partner, and a great friend, and. Larry, Larry lives life to large to, to the fullest, man. You can you can actually see <laughs> that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, and Tyler, I'm sure you had some of his good food over the weekend too. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, um, we uh, we appreciate uh, Larry, good friend of the show. Uh, Lynn, again, it, it was such a pleasure having you here. You're welcome back anytime. Thank uh, you. Thank love you. sharing your story, and certainly excited about these things you have coming up as well. So, and uh, we'll. We'll see what we can do, David, about getting this movie for Lynn or something, you know. Well, I mean, you know, she, we, we didn't even cover, 
we just, I mean, there's so much more to talk about what Lynn's done in the sport and all the, all the people she's inspired and everything. I mean, she, she's so humbled, but you know, it's not easy just to, to, you know, this is my 25th year uh, as, as a female racer for the first one to run seven, seven Indianapolis 500s and just everything else she's done, the pushback she got and, 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 you know, and, I mean, you know, it's just so much more to cover that we couldn't possibly cover in an hour, hour and a half, you know what I mean? And I, I hope the movie comes out because it's well-deserved. And, uh, Lynn, I hope that happens, you know. I, I don't know what we all can do, but we need, to, we, need to, we need to try to make that happen, you know. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, we know how to put race cars on racetracks, but I know we, none of us know how to do movies, so I don't know. I don't know nothing about it, you know. <laughs> Well, well thank that, you guys so much for having me. Really, it's really fun. Yeah. Yes, yes, you're welcome back anytime, Lynn. It was our pleasure having you. Uh, we'll put the checkered flag out on this episode. Big thanks to Lynn St. James for being here. Uh, for our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones, Dominic Aragon, David Starr. Uh, follow us on social media, facebook.com slash starpodcast, Twitter at starpodcast, email davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And we'll see you next time right back here on Let's Go Racing. Thanks for joining us.